It's ten times the terror. Hello and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. I'm not okay. Hello, hello, and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. My name is James. And I'm Paul. And I'm Gwen. And on today's special episode, we are flying to Neverland. We are talking Peter Pan, or specifically Peter Pan and Wendy, which is the latest in this era of live-action Disney remakes. Um, We're going to kind of get into this movie. We're probably going to talk about the original 1953 movie as well. Um, But this movie's out, and, you know, um, it's a fantasy movie, and so this covers a lot of the sort of genre territory that we go over with this podcast we thought it'd be worth discussing. Um, So we'll kind of go around and and give our thoughts on the movie, and we'll probably talk about the original as well. But I'll give kind of a quick little synopsis, and then we'll kind of just get right into it. Yeah, so the movie is Peter Pan and Wendy. It's currently available on Disney+. Plus. I believe it's a Disney Plus original. Um, it's directed by David Lowry, who actually I think has a very interesting career because he's directed a few of these live action remakes. I think he also did um, the Pete's Dragon movie, but he also does then these more kind of ambitious, small scale A24 movies like A Ghost Story and The Green Knight. So it seems like with Hollywood, he's very much doing a one for you, one for me type where he's doing kind of a passion project, and then kind of doing a more kind of big IP like this. Um, but so it stars... Alexander Mullany as Peter Pan and Ever Anderson as Wendy Darling. But the big names would be Jude Law as Captain Hook and even Jim Gaffigan as Smee. And so, like I said, it's available on Disney Plus now to watch if you want to see it. And so the plot synopsis according to IMDb is, follow the adventures of Peter Pan, a boy who does not want to grow up, and how he recruits three siblings in London, and together they embark on a magical adventure on the enchanted island of Neverland. Um, Dad, I know you are a, a big fan of Peter Pan, certainly the original one. So I'll start with you. What did you think of Peter Pan and Wendy? Uh, I was not very impressed with it, to tell you the truth. I, th- I thought there were two major flaws. One was in the, the, the portrayal of Peter Pan himself. Uh, just that I don't know that much about the actor. You summarized him there. But uh, he, he just did not seem like an engaging personality. Whereas Peter Pan is absolutely captivating. That's the idea of who Peter Pan is. And then the the other thing is, I think that this was not clear intent as to what the film really wanted to do. Was it going to take it seriously? Was it going to make it spoofy? Was it going to try to add some other developments to it? I have to say the cinematography I found very distracting. It was just so so dark that at times you you didn't know what was going on in in the story. But P- Peter Pan basically affirms two things. One, uh, the need to grow up. Uh, but secondly, the importance of maintaining uh, elements of fantasy and, and faith as you grow up. And that's the tension. And it's personified in the fact that the same actor plays both Captain Hook and Mr. Darling. And at the end of, this, end of, the, of the, the, the cartoon, the animated version, uh, Mr. Darling sees the ship floating through the sky, and that's his connection with, with the, the fantasy realm that has to be there. Uh, Peter Pan appears in 1902 and uh, presents uh, a positive view of fantasy, uh, especially with this overlap, that was also going on with other writers at the time. So it, it fits into a number of other categories there, that it is a uh, a celebration of the fantasy of childhood, uh, 
not not childhood as uh, a failure to grow up, but childhood as a as a basis of enchanting and taking hold of all of the wonder, the excitement, uh, the spectacle, indeed, of being a child. Now, well, all right. So I'm gonna say I, I just found it. Uh, Confusing, the way I would put it. So what we're trying to do with the story, Jude Law makes it an effort, but he doesn't really capture the two parts, I felt, of Mr. Darling and um, and Captain Hook. So for such a, such a famous story that's been done not only by Disney, but by many others, I just felt this adds nothing. And uh, I just felt it was a great disappointment. All righty then. Uh, Gwen, what did you think of Peter Pan and Wendy? I I agree with a lot of that. I think the biggest problem I had with it was that it was boring. <laughs> like, it, I feel like there wasn't anything they did particularly wrong. But yeah, it felt very dark. I felt like Neverland just felt like a random cliff in England. It just didn't seem, didn't have that magical anything. Um, my kids, like, didn't even last, like, 10 minutes in the film. And... Not that, like, it had to be, like, for kids, but you'd think, you know, Peter Pan, no matter what, you know, way it's done, like, you know, is engaging for kids. But this just felt boring. I mean, I felt, I didn't love, yeah, I didn't love Jude Law. I didn't feel like anyone did anything particularly wrong. It just felt so flat. And um, I I didn't like Captain Hook's backstory. I just feel like, I like, it's like, if you're going to do that, I feel like you just have to make a whole other movie then. Like, I just, it... It was, like, too much of trying to make a huge, like, plot for, like, his reasoning that just was so quickly added. I don't know. I didn't like that. But what I did like was I did like Tinkerbell, even though she was, like, nicer than, like, the original Tink, who, like, kind of like how she, like, kind of hates everybody except for Peter. But um, I liked that this Tinkerbell was nice. And I also liked that I really liked the end when Wendy was able to hear her and that the whole reason... It's not that she can't speak. It's just that, like, no one listens to her or whatever. I kind of liked that. Although, again, like... It's like these interesting ideas, but you just kind of like, they just fall flat. They just kind of feel like they're just thrown in. Um, I liked I liked Tiger Lily a lot. Obviously, they were like ma- doing major corrections from the original film. And like, again, like the Lost Boys, like it was okay. Like Wendy and Peter were okay. It just, I, I was very bored. And it's like only like, what, 90 minutes? I was just very bored with it. And so I understand why I understand why I went straight to streaming. I understand why, you know, it didn't really get great reception. It just it just missed like the whimsical. It missed all of that somehow. Like even when you look at like, you know, there's been so many Peter Pan offshoots, you know, and like even from just the cartoon, you know, where you have like Hook, which I love. You have like even like Finding Neverland, right, with Johnny Depp, like those still have like the whimsicalness of it. I just feel like this one was like missing that, you know? Yes, I'll I'll echo both of you guys. I did not like this movie at all. I agree with Gwen. It's not like I wouldn't say I hate it because that's too strong of an emotion. And I don't think anything about it is like offensively bad. It's just as you guys are saying, it's just kind of a nothing movie. I think it it highlights a lot of the things I don't like about many of these live action Disney remakes that a it doesn't really improve on a lot of what the original did. Right. I mean, yes, we're we're sort of correcting some of the more politically incorrect things but like overall we're still hitting a lot of the same beats but it's not as well i agree with you guys about the visuals i think this movie is like repulsive looking and like it's just it's just amazing to me that like disney which is like the biggest you know mega studio of hollywood can have these movies look so cheap and so 
yeah, just so like visually uninspired. I mean, again, I don't want to like directly compare everything to the original, but you think about how how creative and how how um, colorful so many of the set pieces are. Everything about this just looked so drained of of any color, and and just so yeah. I mean, I think it just as you guys said, like it just it's just a boring flat movie. I agree about I agree about um, Alexander Molony. I think he is so wooden as peter pan he just has zero charisma i thought ever anderson was like fine as wendy and and i do think that they are as the title suggests kind of making her more of like a co-lead um but jude law i think had no idea what he was doing jim gaffigan who i love in general i thought was just completely wasted and and yeah i agree with gwen like it's not a long movie but i was like could not wait for it to be over just like it doesn't do anything remarkable and it's so kind of just like Again, just uninspired, which to me is almost worse than a movie that like you passionately hate for any number of reasons. It's just kind of it's just again, I feel like with 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 Disney's agenda now of just remaking every movie, it's kind of like, cool, we're doing it, but now let's just kind of move on because I don't think this movie really adds anything. Yeah. No, and agree. even even Sorry. the two thousand nine Peter Pan, like I like that was like fine to me, but even that, like, you saw why that had, like, a really big buzz, and, like, that's, like, I think, like, kind of, like, has, like, a, a niche fan favorite. It's it's just, this, yeah, this one just was, again, the live-action remakes just stop. They just need to stop. They're just, this, this is just too much. What are they going to do when they get to Alice in Wonderland? Well, they did Alice in, Tim Burton did Alice in Wonderland. Well, right. Yeah, he did. The that. first no, one was good. I liked the first yeah, one. The second right. one, okay. no, no, the second right. one wasn't a bad movie. It just didn't feel Wonderlandy. It, it it made too much sense, if that makes sense. Like it was too yeah. much. Like Alice goes to Narnia. Like it it, it was too yeah. much of a linear yeah. like linear story that was not Wonderland. But also for for being Tim Burton, it was like surprisingly not weird enough. I thought. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was, I agree. That was a disappointment. I well, well, I think back on it. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say I, for like Peter Pan, I haven't read the novel, but part of me is like, okay, if if we are gonna go back and redo these like classic fairy tales, either either go, I, I think when you mentioned this on the Little Mermaid episode, but like either go back directly to the source material and redo that as like accurately as it can be, or, or or do a new angle, or just do a complete new story like you said like right. if we're gonna if we're gonna focus on captain hook just make it a captain hook movie then or or just find like a whole new angle but or just, just do like a gulliver do like gulliver gulliver wow gulliver travels or like do yes. red yeah. riding hood there's so many fairy tales that haven't been done that you like even from other countries and other ethnicities like you could find take a mythology story like they did hercules hercules was a great movie like i just i'm sick of them pulling from the same material and just pulling from themselves. It's like it's like that's why it's feeling so flat. It's because they were inspired by the novel. They made this great animation film, you know, and then you know you're like it's like you're you're copying on yourself so many times that you just dilute all the creativity. Exactly. It it, it just it, feels redundant. Interestingly enough, in the late 30s, uh Max Fleischer Studios did a, a full-length animated version of Gulliver's Travels. But it it hasn't really stood the test of time. Not, not many people, and it, as I recall, it was kind of not exciting. You know, it was um, visually interesting, but um, you never got wrapped up in the um, the drama of it. I'm and I'm going back years and years that I saw it, but it was in the you know. So, but no, the point remains. I mean, we've learned from Shrek. I mean, you know, Shrek just went into all kinds of fairy tales that that Disney had never dealt with. 
and um, did very effectively. Puss in boots, you know, I need, and so forth. I need, to, I need to recover from the fact that Dad just referenced Shrek. <laughs> That did just happen on the I, I completely point. agree with you, but I'm also laughing. That, like, but yeah, oh. no, you're absolutely right. Like, they were, like, especially the new Puss in Boots, like, they took all these fairy tales and did complete new revamps of them. And, like, they worked yeah. so well. Yeah. But also, I, I don't know, Gwen, you know, as someone who is a, a mother of children and, and certainly of daughters who love princesses, what I don't understand about Disney right now is, like, okay, I mean... All of this just just reeks of like a cash grab. But what I don't understand is, to me at least, and maybe you feel the same way or not, but like I feel like some of their most successful recent movies are the more original ones, like Frozen, like Moana. So it's like the idea right. that like they can't just sort of lean more into that, or just well, no, we gotta just go back to kind of like making IP out of our own movies. I know. I mean, it's just, I don't know why it's it's not working. But part of me wonders too, like I like some some of it. I feel like they're trying to like in a way, correct, like, mistakes of the past with some of these movies, which is also, like, like I, which, again, I, I do feel like it's mainly a cash grab, but, like, especially in this one, like, I feel like they were trying so hard to correct things, like, you, like, trying to have more diversity, trying to have an actual correct representation of Native Americans, or, like, you know, trying to, like, do things better than not, they not had in the past. Not singing about the red man being right, <laughs> right. But but my feeling on that is, if you want to, if you do want to correct some of these things, like why not just make a little musical short or like a little one-off, like of the movie in that style, being like, oh, we're, we're like here's a new song that we're just gonna do as a short that's Peter Pan, you know? Like like I think they could do it in a much better way than they're trying to do with this because like. Even like, okay, it's like everyone's like, oh my gosh, there's like lot girls that are the lost boys. Like nobody, I don't care who cares. Like this, like I thought it was fine, but also like, I feel like it's just trying to be so like, oh look, like we're not racist anymore, or we're not like you know politically incorrect anymore, or we're you know, or we're not like misogynistic anymore. And it's like, okay, but like this is not working. Like whatever you're trying to do here is not working. Agreed, and and, and yeah. like again, I'm not against that as like a as like a you know political agenda but it just it doesn't feel like enough sort of like creative inspiration to say let's just go back and replicate all of our movies like whereas like Guillermo del Toro I thought did a really good job with Pinocchio yeah yes and that came out the same year as Disney's live action Pinocchio and it's I like, didn't even it's, watch the Disney one I didn't either but like it's clear which is the more successful one well, and also it's clear which is based on creativity right like creative license yes yes like a lot of these live actions, I feel like it's it's just like getting a job done. Like like you know that's what that's where I've I've said so many times on the podcast. My biggest qualm with all these live actions is, it, they just try to do scene for scene, line for line, the cartoon. And it's like why am I even watching this? Exactly, and and well that that was my that was my issue with like the Lion King one too, where I was like not only is like the visuals just way too jarring because it's like watching you know, National Geographic, but with talking animals. But it is, like, beat for beat, the exact same thing, where I'm like, if I'm ever in the mood to watch Lion King or Peter Pan, why would I ever pick this live-action remake? It's, like, it's so similar. And I feel like... No, I was gonna say, I just feel like, just, again, talking about, like, some of the more successful recent Disney movies, even going, you know, a couple decades back to the first 
Pirates of the Caribbean. I think what made that first one so successful is, yes, you're basing this on, you know, the ride that's very popular, but you're essentially creating a new story with Jack Sparrow. This is a whole new character. And then to the point where that becomes so successful that then they put Jack Sparrow into the actual ride at Disney World. So it's like you're you're using a familiar name, but you're still creating something new, and that's why that works. Agreed. Dad, why don't you tell us a little bit about the cartoon and more importantly, your reaction to the cartoon and your comic book. Ah, well, the, the, <laughs> yes, the, um, uh, no, the, the cartoon, I, I just, it was absolutely, uh, entrancing. And I, this is something I have to give, um, give, uh, your, your grandmother credit for that. She got me up out of bed, sound asleep when I was like six years old, when they were showing a, a little preview clip on the old, old fashioned TV. It wasn't color or anything, but she showed me this this Peter Pan clip, and I was hooked for life, uh, at least in my my childhood. Why do you know? Because Peter Pan, you have to believe that Peter Pan can can die, and that Tinkerbell can die. I mean, it's the reality of mortality. I would put it that way. The reality of mortality is a kind of phrase, whatever, um, is what makes fairy tales engaging. It isn't just just a lark. It isn't just lost boys are going out wandering around, nor you're having Native Americans. It's there's real danger lurking here, and uh, it's it's that element of danger that gives the excitement. And um, and yet, the, you know, that that original animated version has lots of humor in it, and uh, it's also you know the the great moment in the in the original play. Again, it wasn't a novel or a short story; it was a play. And the great moment in that is when Wendy uh, walks the plank and she steps off, you know, and they keep and they don't hear a splash, you know, indicating, you know, Peter Pan has rescued her. That's that's the apex of the story. Uh, that's when you know that that uh, good is going to defeat evil, that um, the, the heroine and her her brothers are going to be rescued. All that it comes again. And to me, in the new version, that falls completely flat. I mean, that that's supposed to be a moment when you get on your uh, stand up and cheer. And of course, one problem that Disney had to face was in the original. There's this question that people, if you believe in fairies, this is after Tinkerbell has taken the bomb out and, and she's been injured seriously by it, uh, saving Peter Pan. The whole the, the idea there of um, you know the rescue is imminent that uh and that the danger is real uh so i think that that's you have to really identify with that you have to have a sense that the characters are are facing real difficulties and you identify with them in that sense that there are scary things out in the world uh you do have to grow up but you can't give up the magic well no go back to what's uh, in the original play uh, Peter Pan says to the audience, now this is breaking the fourth wall, says to the audience, uh, do you believe in fairies? If you believe in fairies, clap your hands and we'll see if we can bring Tinkerbell back to life. And of course, originally in the, in the play, everybody in the theater is, is clapping. In. Now, Disney decided that wouldn't work in a movie. Uh, works very well in a live theater. But uh, you've got that idea there that death is real. and um, I think, uh, you know, uh, one of the criticisms of Disney is that sometimes he sanitizes things, but I think the element of danger is really there. 
And I don't think it's there in the in the remake here at at all. Um, so does that make sense? I, I, it's just it's just not exciting, and the, you barely even see the crocodiles. All these uh, images of um, death and destruction, uh, but then at the final end, uh, Mr. Darling can look out on the night sky and say, you know, I remember seeing that same boat. When I was a boy, you know, that that that's the what's so endearing about about this that you yes, you have to grow up, but you can't lose. You don't have to lose all the magic and perspective of childhood. And that's why Peter Pan has endured for well over a century. You know, there were silent movies of Peter Pan. There have been all kinds of stage productions. On and on you go. Um, let me just add in my one of the talking about comic books. The the ultimate comic book of my youth was uh, in the era in which comic books were 10 cents was a 200 page giant comic book that sold for 50 cents. Okay, that was more than just 10 cents called Peter Pan's Treasure Chest. And it wasn't just the story of Peter Pan. It brought in all the Disney characters around Peter Pan. So it was Peter Pan meets Donald Duck. Peter Pan meets Mickey Mouse. All of this, and uh, I I opened that uh, one Christmas Eve, and I probably was like seven years old or something, on the idea that you could open one present. And I think my parents or my grand my grandmother, whatever, said, "Well, here, open this." And there it was, Peter Pan's treasure chest. Uh, I I got rid of it, you know, unfortunately, years later. But. Uh, uh, for one of my anniversaries, I think my, I think my 25th anniversary at the church, who unfortunately knew too much about my proclivity in all these areas, uh, actually got another got a copy of it for me, which was and I didn't want to think about how much they must have spent because it was a real, really hot ticket item. But it is uh, the, the ultimate size comic book of that era of the um, pre-code era, uh, a 200 page comic book. It was amazing. And uh, I, I, I watched Peter Pan again. I still love it. You know, it's probably not my favorite Disney movie anymore, but it's close to it. And uh, it's just the excitement is still there. And that's, I think, the, the, the worst thing you can say about the new version. The excitement just isn't there. Has a, has a line ever been more brutal, brutally stated? <laughs> so touchingly stated. I agree. I agree. The, the magic is yes. still there. I mean, I, I think my, my kind of my kind of final remark on on just this movie, because again, I I've, I'm like a couple of weeks removed from it, but I feel like it's one of those movies where like it's one of those like out of sight, out of mind movies. But just the one the one thing is is like again, when you think about the the 50s version, I feel like the the build up to Peter Pan is so prominent. That's how you want like the introduction of your hero. Like I, I think of like the image of like his silhouette on the chimney before we kind of like see him and like, and like that do 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 like the kind of the way they build up the character. Whereas in this, he kind of just shows up and like, Hey, I'm Peter Pan. And you're like, cool. All right, great. When's this movie <laughs> over? Like that's when I knew I was in bad hands. Um, okay. Well, I, I think that's kind of everything. I mean, I personally don't recommend this movie. I don't know how you guys feel. I think if you want to watch Peter Pan, go watch the fifties version. Yes. There's some casual racism. That's not great, but Overall, it's a better movie. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I feel like any other version of Peter Pan is way better than this one. If, like, I don't think it's available, but if you could ever track down the silent version, 
that was a huge hit uh, in, in its time. It not, I think about 1925 with, uh, again, as was the case, uh, a female actress plays Peter Pan. And that was the same, same idea as the same actors, both Captain Hook and, and Mr. Darling. Um, but I've only seen like clips of that. And it, I, mean, I mean, the silent cinema is, is still a, well worth studying. You know, I mean, they did a whole series of The Wizard of Oz with, among others, Oliver Hardy, I think, was the Tin Man. Oliver Hardy of Marlon Hardy. So uh, the, the story endures, and it, it's going to survive bad versions. I mean, I mean there, there was the movie Hook. But yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going to endure because it's a great story. I, I just hope, and maybe this is me being delusionally optimistic, I just hope that at some point we'll look back on this era of Disney, of these, again, remaking all their movies, and just think, like, this was not a good idea, and let's not do this again. That's all I can hope, but... It seems like they're going to just push yeah. it forward. I know we're getting a new Snow White. It's like, at a certain, and again, obviously these movies make money, so that's why they're continuing to make them. But and like, did you hear there's this new like Mufasa? I don't know if it's going to be a movie or what. Like Mufasa's backstory. It's like we don't need yeah, this. It's coming out next year. We don't need. Directed any by of Barry this. Jenkins, who gave us Moonlight, is giving us the Mufasa <laughs> prequel movie. It's like we don't like, and we don't need these. Like no, and it's like it's like I feel like at some point it's like okay maybe not completely creatively bankrupt, but you're you're drawing from this well way too much that like it, it this can't last. I just feel like at a certain point this can't last. But yeah, it's like the the universal classic monsters. Once once you start to start teaming them up together, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman and then on and on down the road. Uh it, it's just it, it just doesn't have anything. I mean these these were brilliant films in their original form. And to um they just become money makers, you know. Why, why do Frank? Why does? Why does Frankenstein have to meet the Wolfman? I mean, <laughs> I you know, it's I enjoy the movie. Uh, it's got some great touches. Got a very good director, Roy William Neal, did all the Sherlock Holmes films for Universal. Uh, yeah, okay, but it, it, it's a pointless movie, and yes. uh, Universal had a hard time with it because people laughed at it in the original previews. That's not a good sign for a monster movie, right? But also, and, and Gwen, maybe you agree or not, but I can't help but feel like, again, fresh off the mind, a movie called Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, I can't help but feel like that is so much more innovative in the way Walt Disney himself was, that I feel like if he was alive today, he would respond so much more to a movie like that than just remaking, rehashing what's already been done in a way less uh, creative way. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like there is, there is this new. I saw a trailer for it. This new cartoon, this movie Wish, that's going to be a new Disney animated. Um, I'm not sure if the girl's a princess. I don't know. I, I don't know what she is. I don't know anything about it. But um, but you can tell already they're same way that Puss in Boots. You know, they're pulling from what a, like initially into the Spider Verse was doing in terms of animation, and um, you know, mixing that painterly with the computer and adding more cells per frame. So like, like they're they're the ones that are innovating the industry right now. The ones, the people creating the Spider-Man movies, and they're oh, the, and that and that's who everyone's kind of like being like, oh, we need to hop on this kind of stuff. And um, I mean, it's very telling too, like you said, with them the, the them being the directors that were supposed to do Han Solo and like, you know, getting kicked off of it. It's like it's always a red flag when you have these really creative people that get kicked off projects because 
it's it's the creativity against the industry which wants to be safe and make money make money exactly, right exactly so it's always mm-hmm. it's always like you know you're gonna have this kind which like okay frozen was great but now we've we'd have frozen two and you know maybe we'll have a frozen three and it's like moana was great but like don't don't now like go into the safe zone of just giving us more and more sequels. Like, don't give us a Toy Story 5. Don't give, like, it's just like, (laughs) I feel like they get into these spaces of, okay, this is successful, this sells, this, you know, makes money, this sells product, like, let's just keep doing it. And, like, that's where they really, like, like, that's where you need to shine in, like, doing the little specials, the Christmas specials, the Halloween specials, the, you know, different little musical numbers or things to kind of, like, give it new life. But as soon as you start over saturating it like people get sick of it yeah and again it's like it's like it's like i'm not a i'm not a industry person but it's just like it to me it's just so like annoying and like not not encouraging that like again disney which is like makes a ton of money and like all of their movies are some of the biggest grossing movies every single year that they would be so kind of risk adverse to like trying something new when like you can take that risk like creatively you can take that risk but like They'd, yeah, they'd rather just go the safe route. But again, it's like, you know, like you said, like you mentioned the Han Solo movie. Fast forward to now, look at where the guys are with Spider-Verse and look where Disney is. It's like, you're doing this to yourself. That's yeah, happen. and I don't know if I even mentioned on the Spider-Verse episode, but that Lego sequence in Into the Spider-Verse, when they're going through all the different worlds, apparently a, f- a fan had made a Lego like version of the trailer or the something. Trailer, yeah, I heard about that. And it was a 14-year-old kid, 14. And they found this kid. I think he's Canadian. They hired him. He like made that sequence for them for the movie on like his spring break or something. And like I remember in an interview they were like, "Oh, you know, he was like if you need any revisions, I can do it after my homework." Like this is that's like being innovative, right? You like especially in the world of online and like people Absolutely. place stuff out there, like that's where you're going to find the new creativity, the new in, in, like innovation, all the stuff and and put faith in that, right? Like it's like it's, it's I, I just yeah, the whole kind of let's redo the same thing 100 times over is just exhausting at this point. Yes, that's a great way to great way to wrap it up. It is exhausting. And and again, it's just like I'm at the point now where it's like, um, unless we're, unless this is required for this podcast, like I just have no desire to be like watching <laughs> these new remakes. Like, Which is the only reason we watch this movie. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't recommend this. I don't think any of us do. Um, but I mean, if you haven't seen the original, it's on Disney plus, like all of the classic Disney movies are on Disney plus go watch that instead. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I think that wraps up today's episode of 10 times the terror. Again, I'm James. I'm Paul. And I'm Gwen. And we will never be watching this movie again. There you go. (laughs) Bye, guys. (laughs) Thank you for listening to... It's ten times the terror! The podcast. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's... It's... It's ten times the terror! Thank you for listening to Ten Times the Terror. This podcast would not be possible without listeners like you. You can find out more about our podcast by visiting our website, 10timestheterror.com. That's 10xtheterror.com.